I knew that MASH was the Korean War, but I'd say up until probably about 15 years ago, I thought Korea was an island, and it was off the coast of China, and then it was like somewhere near the Philippines. I swear to God, I had no idea, and I just didn't care to look, and I wasn't really interested. Chosin Reservoir. The Chosin Reservoir. Listen, actually, before we get into this, I am going to do my absolute best not to say any names because I don't want to butcher them. Yeah, some of these are really... I don't pronounce Korean, so I don't really know. I think Steve's going to know more than, than I do. Perfect. Perfect. Been there. He can, he can hit us up with the uh, correct pronunciation of the Korean and Chinese names because I was going through some of this stuff and I was just like, you are out of your mind if you think I'm going to be able to pronounce that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I don't want to offend anybody with my terrible attempts. So. Well, there's that one, like, uh, I think it's like a lake or something and it's just called, like, Fun Chillin'. <laughs> 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 and I was like... I was reading it, and I was like, Funchin Lan or something like that. And I was like, no, that's just, like, the white guy in me was just like, yo, let's go to Fun Chillin. <laughs> <laughs> it's right over there. Like, if, like, you bang your knee on something, the first thing you say is, you damn knee. And that's think, another place, was, you damn I got, knee. like, one sentence in. I got one sentence into the landing zone, and I was like, uh... Inch on. Well, okay, cool. Inch on. Yeah, inch on. Is, it's definitely inch on because I remember that from um, what's it called? Uh, hold on a second, you guys. My Digimon just upgraded. All right. <laughs> is that your Soviet tanks? No, not yet. So basically, what I want to know is if I make a lot of mesh references tonight, is that is that wrong? Can I do that? <laughs> Yeah. I guess it's acceptable. I thought they didn't like MASH, though, because it made the Korean people look like a like a third-world country kind of thing. You know, and they, they were not. <laughs> I'm just yeah, going to sit it's... here quietly acting like I didn't learn about 46 minutes ago that MASH was on the Korean War, not the Vietnamese War, or Vietnam War. Hey, I'm just going to sit here quietly where, and you act find like I didn't Steve? just learn... <laughs> Where'd I'm you gonna find this guy? And act like I didn't learn just earlier tonight that Mash was based in Korea, not Vietnam. I feel like talking yeah. about Mash is always questionable because it's like there was a character on it with a certain name, Spear Chucker James Jones. Oh, <laughs> uh, what? And, and he was only in like the first season, but then he'd be in like random episodes. And you know, as a kid, I would watch it with my parents after like seeing it when I was a little kid and I I didn't know what the hell was going on when I was a little kid. I was like, they're at war, it's the army, I'm going to bed, right? It's mm-hmm. 8.30. So, mm-hmm. but then you get older and you're watching it and you're like, what was that guy's name? What? <laughs> what are they calling that guy? Is that, you can't say that on TV. What's happening? What run that hell? back one more run time? That, yeah, run that back real quick. No DVR. <laughs> uh, his, name, his name's Spear Trucker. It's fine. I'm like, no, it's not fine. No, it's really not. Not fine. I feel like what we should do also is properly introduce everybody to, now that we've nailed down a name, the trilateral... Am I gonna? Am I even saying the name of the own podcast correctly? The trilateral troika? Is it troika? Yeah, nailed it. Troika. Nailed it. That's yeah. all. That's, that's First all time. First time. One yeah. time. That's how we... That's only one take. That's all we need. <laughs> 
that's I definitely gonna... didn't sit like an hour before we started recording Troika. You're just Troika. saying that in like uh Troika Russian <laughs> accents. No, trilateral Troika. Trilateral <laughs> Troika. Is good. This podcast. You just you just sit in a dark room before every podcast and just like do your vocal lessons of just saying Troika over and over again. Troika. I feel like Troika. you know, while we're while we're talking about it, I feel like the ultimate I mean, no offense to anybody else, but the ultimate like Russian name is Yuri. You know? Like Yuri. Yuri, you know? Isn't that a good one? Uh, I feel like yeah. the ultimate Spanish name is Gustavo. They're like Gustavo. Like that it just sounds good. Yeah, yeah it's a pretty good one. one. It's a pretty good one, right? Yeah, yeah, Gustavo. Gustavo, hand me that million dollars. <laughs> did you <laughs> did you watch uh, Breaking Bad recently? No. Oh. <laughs> no. Uh, you know, Gustavo Frang or Frang? Yeah, Frang? Gus Frang. Yeah. No, I uh, I was uh, watching that WFTV video from from Central Florida where the guy used to the guy used to work there. His name was Gustavo Amadovar. Anyway, <gasps> yes. Yeah, and I was like, man, Gustavo's a great name, but Gustavo Amadovar. Gustavo yeah, Amadovar. Gustavo Amadovar. So good. Every time I turn on WFTV, that's the first thing I hear. <laughs> and then I've been listening to, like, Lemmy all day, which we need to do a podcast on just Lemmy. That'd be great. I miss uh, I miss WFTV and Chief Meteorologist Tom Terry. Hi, Chief meteorologist Tom Terry here and if my jacket's off it's because my nips are hot (laughs) we're fucked (laughs) you know I first told uh, the the way this all came about was I Steve and I were talking about what we should do next we were talking on messenger and uh, I said you know that my my wife's mother said we should check this out and then Mm -hmm. My father-in-law also said we should check this out because they had a family member who was there and survived. What? Yeah. I'm trying to find the information again. I can't remember who it was. But um, it was uh, was interesting. You know, I just read the article she found on it, and it was kind of uh, boilerplate, you know, just kind of military historia kind of thing. But I Mm -hmm. said to Steve, and Steve was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Chosen Reservoir? Absolutely. One of the biggest colossal fuck-ups the Marines have ever had. (laughs) And we're talking about the United States Marine Corps, so that is a high bar to clear. <laughs> yeah, they definitely have made some mistakes, like all branches. Well, but... in not in not in peacetime, you know, not like not like selling off their bonus on like a on like a Lambo or something. A Nissan Versa. And then getting married to the first like woman they meet at the local bar that just like wait I just benefits babe I just want to say my dad is a disabled veteran of the Vietnam War we are we are supporters of the troops we would hold the second annual wrestling event like it's always sunny my dad himself is a former marine so yes yeah we support support the troops but we're about to shit on them a little bit. But the thing, them. but the thing with that is though, is that they'll be like the first ones to tell you. It's not even like a thing like they hide, like they'll like they'll straight up tell you that more soldiers die in peacetime than they do in war, just wrapping their cars around trees or whatever, and then just like yeah, because you got a bunch of eighteen year olds who got that sign on bonus, went and bought their first you know Camaro, Dude. don't know what the fuck they're doing with themselves, and they're dead. And if they don't kill themselves, they end up Get- totally underwater in debt. 
or Getting married at a McDonald's, or with PTSD, or like any number of outcomes that really just are not you're not made to deal with. You know what I mean? You're just not. It's yeah, and our government provides no sort of mental health care to our troops coming they back do. home from overseas. They, do. And they really need to do better. They do, but they do like a they do a lot of chemical restraint. Let's put it that way. Yeah, so they need to do better. Absolutely. Anyway, so, so let's let's start off with how we the the U.S. got into this mess that was the Korean War. Yeah, let's start with the Korean War because my 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 knowledge of it is there. I just you're going to need to remind me why the North actually invaded the South in the first place. I know a lot about it, but a lot of it comes from Mash. So, <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure that the Korean War ended because Hawkeye went to the peace talks and uh, really broke that Christ. shit down in a very you know in just like a soliloquy. He gave, he gave a Korean. very maudlin monologue to yeah. Kim Il-sung, and Kim Il-sung agreed to peace. And they got upset because they thought he was crazy because he kept raising his shoulders up to like his ears and just saying Margaret all the time. You know, Margaret, that's what he was I saying. Just, I, know, I know about the Korean War from Red Foreman on that 70s show and that he served. That's what I know. Yeah. So the – this, this all goes sort of into the beginning of the Cold War, and at the end of World War II, um, the Allied powers, who who became by this time they're known as the United Nation, um, the United Nations, and they sort of set out to see how the world's going to go. And FDR was was very instrumental in this. He makes a lot of promises to Stalin and China. Um, this is uh, Chiang Kai Shek, not not Mao. And he and these are agreements that you know politicians back in America are not fond of, you know, because FDR is is making deals with Stalin and 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 Chang, who is also not white because he's a dictator. Right. F- FDR has a heart attack, um, and when he's in bed with his mistress, and then Truman becomes <gasps> president. Stop right there. Hold up. Stop. <laughs> Records. How, how are you just going to try to just glaze over that? Yeah. Everyone knows that. Yeah. Does Frank Burns know about that, Steve? He probably denies it. He'll know it deep down, but he'll he'll deny it. He'll just say it's a it's a communist lie. What about Alan fucking Alda, bro? <laughs> he probably knows. I mean, come on, Margaret. All he right. just denies it. Anyway. So wait, wait. Truman. Also, Chiang Kai Shek, by the way, or Generalissimo Chiang. Have you ever Googled the phrase Chiang Kai Shek? He has no. the greatest avatar picture I've ever seen in my life. What? He looks like Napoleon. <laughs> Look at him. He looks like Napoleon if Napoleon was a police officer in at least like six districts. He's got like 35 badges on his left side. He's like the commissioner. The commissioner. <laughs> I want to speak to the commissioner. Oh my god, that's wonderful. All right, I'm so, looking at him right now. That's, that's excellent. That's a lot of awards. Jeez. So Truman becomes president. Um, when FDR dies, and he's he's a little unprepared, and he's unwilling to be light on uh, Stalin. He he doesn't want to really go in on these deals. Um, it's probably believed that FDR was just sort of you know was politicking that he probably wasn't going to to give in to the promises he gave. He was going to just negotiate further. Um, so there were expectations. Um, Churchill was also making agreements with Stalin. Um, he did this thing called the percentage agreements. And it was the secret deal that he made with Stalin that we only really know about because Churchill saved the paper he did it on. Like, like Stalin, like, told him that they should probably destroy all the evidence. Mm-hmm. But Churchill like said, like, 
But Churchill was like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold on to it or whatever. So this happens at the Moscow Conference on October 1944. Um, essentially, they break down what the percentages of um, sort of dominance in areas would be. For instance, um, Greece would be 10% Soviet, 90% UK in terms of like who's influencing. If I'm um, Greek, I'm sitting there and I'm like, uh, excuse me, fuck you. Why are you dividing my country up? But this is this is just them, and they're not dividing the country up. They're just saying who will who will like whose sphere of influence will they be in? So so Greece will be a capitalist country that'll be allied with the UK, whereas you know Bulgaria, Hungary, and Romania will be will be like sort of Russian satellites. Okay, so like, to that effect, did any of these countries have the ability to voice their opinion of whose sphere of influence they wanted to be in? Hungary, no. Hungary tried. <laughs> okay, so but, again, let me go back to this. If I'm Greek, <laughs> I'm looking at you like, yo, fuck you guys. Because this is—I'm just this saying is that because I'm I'm Hungarian, so I'm just I'm just trying to get up for my boys. I just want to give a one a big yeah. shout out to Big. Because, because like for instance, Yugoslavia was supposed to be fifty-fifty. Um, like they they made agreements like originally Hungary was supposed to be 50-50 but then Stalin was able to negotiate 80% and then 20% UK. Gotcha. Um but what ends up happening after the war ends is that um people have other ideas. Um one of them is the leader of Yugoslavia, um Tito. Um Tito and Stalin sort of have a have a bad no, Tito um, Jackson. have a bad yeah. <laughs> The most underrated Jackson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the best team. They, Where's Tito? They're the best Jackson team. They have a... Um, they, they, they sort of have a split, sort of like Mal did. They always had... Um, they're always clashing in terms of what they wanted to do. Um, for instance, when when Stalin was sort of ordering all the communist parties to like stand down to the Nazis, um, Tito was preparing to like you know lead the partisans in Yugoslavia against Italy and, and Germany. Tito wants to include Greece in this like Yugos in this Yugoslavian like Mediterranean communist state he wants to build. Okay. So he, Tito was secretly backing the Greek communists because there's a, there's been civil wars going on in Greece for a while, um, but in its most like recent iteration of it, it's mainly the the communist first sort of the uh, Western backed um, military forces. Um, and because okay. Tito was secretly backing the Greek communists, um, the U.S. and U.K. think this is Stalin's doing because they're still under the theory that, you know, all the world's communist parties are taking orders from Moscow. Weird. Um, and that Greece going over to being communist would break the percentage agreement. Why would you take orders from the largest communist country in the world? That's just crazy. Um, so... Also, uh, the USSR is putting pressure on Turkey, which is one of the reasons why Turkey ends up being in NATO, is because the Soviet Union wants to put naval bases um, in the Bosporus, sort of in Turkish territory. Um, They want to open up um, the strait there, and Turkey is not willing to give them, you know, free reign. Okay. Is Um, this also around the time Soviet invasion of Afghanistan, or are we talking about a couple decades before that? That's 40 years later. Well, okay, just a couple of years later. Gotcha. So, I'm just trying to make sure I got my timeline down. And then um, in in China, you know, you have the Civil War. Um, so the the United States is supposed to be giving aid to, to Chiang Kai-shek, but they're not giving it to him. Um, he has bought and paid for uh, military equipment, 
but the U.S. is not giving it to him because Truman doesn't like him, and Truman is also <laughs> very racist against the Chinese. Why? Come get um, your shit and blood, dog. <laughs> there's, there's also, um, there, there's also sort of this feeling, you know, that if that if Mao or somebody else was to win, that they would be um, better to work with, that they'd so be more it, willing to cooperate. Um, they. This was. I'm sorry, I don't want to interrupt you right now. You're on a roll, but it was Chiang Kai-shek who who was expecting the stuff from the United States, the the weaponry. Yes. Did he pay for this already? Yes. Wow, the United States fucked him over. Okay. So, this this is all going on, um, and then, um, but Mao is becoming increasingly um, closer um, to the to Soviet Union. Um, they, they had sent missions during World War II to sort of the communist base camps in China to, to work with Mao, and they, they sort of got the idea that he was, you know, that, that he was going to be um, good for America, better than Chiang. Because Chiang, um, it was not an American puppet. Um, he, was, he was a nationalist first and foremost. You know, he wanted China to be strong. Um, and then it's it sort of at the zero hour after everything sort of going to shit, um, they actually send the aid to China, but it's a little, um, it's too late. And um, Mao declares the People's Republic of China on October 1st, 1949. Um, so so people in Washington, especially the Republicans, begin to um, blame um, the, the Democratic administration for losing China. You know, the questions go like, who lost China? You know, communist communist states are popping up all over Europe. They're popping up. You know, these these sort of communist rebellions are popping up in other parts of the world, and America's allies are losing. Down. So, so somebody has to be to blame. Um, there's still people who th- who believe in like domino theory. Um, hey, why don't you so, go ahead and explain domino theory real quick, just in case anybody else who's listening doesn't know what it is? Because we well, all definitely know what it is. <laughs> D- domino theory was sort of this erroneous belief that was that was not really believed for a long time. It was only believed for a short amount of time. Was that um, all of this was being orchestrated from Moscow, and that like when one country fell to communism, it would just mean to a neighboring country falling to communism, like a set of dominoes. So, so it's basically say, the slippery slope argument, but in 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 communism form. Yeah, like essentially less, that if, yeah. that if Korea fell. Um, Japan would soon follow. Yeah. I don't think Japan would ever be communist, but it's just me. Um, well, people would probably say the same thing about Korea. It's a very similar culture. Don't say that, yeah, don't say that to a Japanese person, Steve. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the Japanese consider them equal enough that they tried to eradicate Korean culture and replace it with Japanese because they felt they were so closely related. Oh my god. That's crazy. Um, so this this takes us to the Korean Peninsula. Um, Korea had been divided at the end of World War II. Um, the, the Soviets had... Um, was it still North-South division, or was it like East-West? No, it was Japanese-Korea. Okay. So it was a, it was it was the Japanese province of Korea, which was South Korea. It was just Chosen. Really? It was the whole entire uh, peninsula. Oh, weird. Um. So the the Japanese have been trying to broker a, a peace deal with the Soviets. Um. A, a lot of people say, you know, that the the atomic bombings were unnecessary. Um. That that's debatable. You know, that Japan was willing to surrender. 
Um, but the only surrender Japan was willing to do at that point was essentially that they would go back to how they were before World War II started, before they invaded China. So they would keep Korea, they would keep Taiwan, they would keep um, all of their island possessions. We'll surrender, but we're keeping everything we took. Mm. I don't yeah, think the, you guys quite grasp how surrender works. It was, it was essentially them going back to how they were before the war. Like, they weren't going to keep their gains, they were just going to keep what they had taken, but that was, you know, off the table. Um, and they had wanted the Soviets to negotiate on their behalf because the Soviets had a non-aggression treaty with um, with the Japanese. Right. Um, this this treaty ended in 1945, so in... Um, That's before so in the end of the war. Yes, before the end of the war. So the Soviets invade uh, Manchuria and um, Japanese-occupied China, um, and the Japanese are not really prepared for them. Um, the, the, the Soviets ha- make like a very good um, attack. They, they attack from sort of an angle the Japanese aren't expecting. Um, for instance, they attack from mountainous areas that the Japanese don't think you could launch an armored assault from, but the Soviets do. <laughs> the fucking Russian um, guy just walks up the side. Come, we come up this hill, we attack from the top of it. <laughs> so they, they smash the Japanese. Um, the, the Japanese, um, in, in sort of their, um, their, their panic, um, they set up a, a sort of a provisional government in Korea. It, it's the, the People's what? Republic of Korea. Um, and they, they do this because they're like, we have to escape. And if there isn't a, if there's an authority that we're on like, okay terms with, you know, we're going to get beaten to death in the streets, which did happen a lot. Um, a lot of Whoa. You're saying uh, Russians you- beat Japanese to no, death in the streets? No, the Koreans are going to beat them to death in the streets. Like the the the, the, the they don't know what the Russians are going to do to them. Okay. Uh, most likely, most likely, you know, uh, kill, rape them, um, things like that. They've they've heard stories from the Eastern Front, so they they want to they want to make their escape, and they know that their former subjects, the Koreans, are are not going to 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 sort of allow them to do it easily right so so they set up this government um and they they put some people in charge um in order to 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 sort of get out of the country um because you have to remember uh, korea was a was a colony of of japan's for about 50 years so it isn't just like a military presence you know there's people's families um there's there's sort of civilians who are there who just live in korea um, just, just sort of normal people. Um, it's a it's, whole thing. It, so, so you you shouldn't think of it more that like the the army is just set up and occupied Korea. You should think of Korea as sort of like their Hawaii. You know, there there are some native peoples there. Um, they they've sort of set up their own. They they've incorporated them into their country, um, and and that they've they've sort of lost their sovereignty and they they they're kind of angry about it. Sure. Um, although the Although the United States government, you know, was not as harsh as the Japanese were, um, but it's but it's sort of a very similar thing. Okay. Um, so the the Russians sort of smash through the Japanese, and they get as far as about the 38th parallel in Korea. Um, the the Soviets establish an occupation um, government. Um, they they sort of have a, a military governor in charge. Um, they work with this this sort of government that the Japanese have set up. Um, and then the Americans, um, they establish an occupation in the South. That's pretty far, man. That's like almost halfway through. That's the isn't the thirty eighth parallel the dividing line between North and yes. South? Yes. 
Okay. Yeah, and it still is to this day, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. like if you go fart there, right? Like you can start an international incident, right? Well, there's a there's a pretty big river on on most of it, so. But I've seen those videos where they do like the military like display right there. You know what I'm talking about? Well, yeah, I've I've been I've been to the to the joint the DMZ secure the yeah the DMZ and the the joint security area. Whoa, whoa, whoa. DMZ. What is it? A firewall? The, the, the demilitarized. I'm just joking. Jeez. <laughs> I don't you know, never know, Steve. Jeez. I found out tonight that Mash was not Vietnam. So, dude, you th- you thought Mash was Vietnam? That is just like you know. For well, a- because here's the deal: I never watched Mash myself enough to really follow the plot. I knew what it was. I knew what it was about, and all this and that and the other. My 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 dad really liked it. Yeah. Um, well, it was the most popular TV show ever for a long yeah. time. But so it would be on TV, and I would see in the background, and just like the aesthetic, kind of just. I guess the aesthetic just... I, I thought Well, that's what I was talking to Steve about, though. So it's not odd, actually. I mean, I'm giving you shit, but it's not odd because, because, like Steve was saying, you know, they purposefully, like, made the Korean people seem like they were backwoods, like they all lived in the... Like they were all uh, Cian from uh, Kickboxer, you know? Which was Thailand, but you know, same basic thing. <laughs> Just like they were all like guys who dressed in like Tai Chi robes and lived in the freaking in sackcloth like uh, old mythological villages in the in the woods, you know. I think it was more or less just the uniforms that the United States troops were wearing. And we were just and Viet- it was green fatigues. Vietnam was very also Vietnam. Yeah, Vietnam was after that, not soon after that. So the green fatigues would make yeah, definitely. Well, uh, there was a conscious effort with the the movie adaptation of Mash right. to make it look like the Vietnam War. Oh, really? Like the like the way the the civilians like they're wearing sort of the uh, the the straw hats they wear, for instance, in the movie are not are not Korean hats. Yeah, they're 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 like the hats that people wear in like Vietnam and, and like South the Vietnamese Asia. like 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 the rice farmer hats. Like the, yeah. Yes, yeah, the, yeah, the sort of straw hat. I call them rain caps. That's what I call yeah, them. the Mortal Kombat, the Raiden They're cap, yeah. Raiden cap, <laughs> the Mortal Kombat caps, the Kung Lao brow. <laughs> Kung Kung Lao, um, who's the one who wears the the black hat with the knife? He, he Kung Lao. It. Yeah, it's Kung Lao. It, yeah, yeah. Kung Kung Lao's hat is more closer to what a Korean hat looks like. I see. Okay, so if we're comparing hats, Kung Lao's knife hat is much closer. In fact. Looking it up now, all Koreans had knife hats. <laughs> Korean, <laughs> the Korean knife hat, you heard it here yeah, first. At the time, the Japanese were actually scared to go there because they knew that the Koreans would start flinging these fucking knife hats around and it would just be <laughs> really awkward to walk around the city. They were, they were unable to perfect the flying guillotine. Oh man, that was like one of the best movies ever. <laughs> these guys just stand there and get hit by it a million times. <laughs> So then, that would mean that Raiden is Vietnamese. Then, uh, no, I believe Raiden, Raiden. I think Raiden is a is a is a is a thunder a myth a made up thunder god in a in a video game. Oh, d- <laughs> Checkmate. Uh, this is why you're the teacher. Goddamn square. No, anyway. I'm pretty sure Raiden's Christopher Lambert. Well, yes. 
so he's a so he's he has a long history of of stealing of of yellow face you know stealing agent power yep exactly all right so stealing stealing roles from bruce lee so going back to wow (laughs) so going back to it it's true so japan got to the 38th parallel and then the Soviet um, Union got to the 38th parallel. Well, the Soviet parallel. Union got to the 38th parallel. Oh, my. We got to start over. Right, how much have you drank? <laughs> Three beers. <laughs> this cheap date, ladies. Oh, man. He's a cheap date, ladies. Three beers is what you get. 38 minutes of not paying attention. 38 beers. One for each parallel. <laughs> um, so... The, the Americans land in Korea to, to accept the Japanese surrender there. Mm-hmm. Um, they they sort of establish their own occupation government in the south. Um, and they, they and then eventually the Soviets sort of get rid of this provisional government. The, the Americans immediately do it. Um, the Soviets eventually do it afterwards because um, this, this government is a um, is, is sort of a they're only in it for the interests of the Korean people. Um, they're not really that willing to, you know, do what the Soviet Union wants. Um, and then um, on August 15th, 1948, um, the Republic of Korea is founded, which is South Korea. And on, on September 8th, 1948, the Democratic People's Republic of Korea is founded. That's the DPRK. D- yeah, the DPRK. Now, is that when the uh, when uh, Lil' Kim came in? Kim Il-sung? I think yes. that's when the Kim family Kim, Kim came Il-sung in. Kim Il-sung is um, put in charge of the DPRK. Um, there's there's a lot of debate on if he's the real Kim Il-sung. Um, like, will, it, so will the real Kim Il-sung please stand up? Because essentially what, what happened was <laughs> there was a, a sort of partisan leader named um, Kim Il-sung in that that was sort of in um, the border area of North Korea. You're saying there were two um, Kim Il-sungs? Well, essentially, what I'm saying is that the, the Soviets got a person who they said is Kim Il-sung. Oh. <gasps> and they said, you know, this is that guy. This is that guy that you've heard about, this, this sort of revolutionary leader who's been fighting against the Japanese, you know, in the countryside. Um, this is him. Um, whether or not he is that person cannot be confirmed. Um, wow. For instance, they, they do lie out a lot of details. Like they say, for instance, that, that Kim Jong-il was born on this mountain in North Korea. Um, but in reality, um, we know that Kim Jong-il was born in, in Russia. Huh. Interesting. He, he, was, he was born in an area of Russia to the north of, of like sort of in the far east of Russia. So basically he's a Russian agent. Yeah. Well, no, it, yeah, it, like Trotsky. Is, That's yeah. all. <laughs> I mean, I mean, like Lenin, like Lenin. Lenin's a British agent. We'll t- he's 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 a Bernie bro. He's, <laughs> he's, he's on Yang Twitter, Yang? ladies and he's gentlemen. Denying. What we need for North Korea is Mr. Bush and Mr. He's, Obama he's, and Mr. Trump to shut the fuck up. He's attacking all women, you know, who want to be in politics. You know, he's a Bernie bro. Oh my god. Oh Jesus Christ! Okay. So these these two governments sort of have a rocky relationship. Um, the Korean government and the Soviet government. No, both Korean governments. 
the the North and South Korean governments. Okay, um, so they, we've, we've transferred. Okay, I got it. Yes, they have they have border skirmishes, um, and then eventually North Korea begins building up a, a full army. Um, Kim Kim Il Sung keeps going to Stalin, and he keeps sort of demanding um, he be allowed to build up an army and then take South Korea. Um, because originally what was supposed to happen was there was going to be elections, sort of like how there was supposed to be in Vietnam, where there was going to be um, this, this sort of national referendum to decide, you know, what the government is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but this is all sort of shut down, uh, mostly because the North Koreans um, government would have probably won. Um, because um, conditions in the South are pretty bad. Um, while it is an industrialized country, it's like third world conditions. Right, um, right, right. Starvation and problems are pretty common. Um, there's a lot of communist agitators. Um, whereas, you know, th- the reason why they say they would have won is because everybody in North Korea is going to vote, and they're going to vote for Kim Il-sung. And then even if um, a majority of the people um, in the South um, vote for um the, the South Korean government, there's still a good chance, you know, that the North Korean government would win. Right. Interesting. Um, so he he builds up this army. Um, he this is sort of like a Warsaw Pact level army. Um, so he has he has Soviet tanks. He has troop carriers. He has vehicles. Um, they're well armed and well equipped. Um, and then so in, and at this time the South Koreans don't have an army really. Um, they they Were, sort of have, was the United States there yet? There is a small occupation force there. Um, they, they do not have any major forces there. The South Korean government doesn't really have a military. They mostly have a, a sort of police force, um, sort of like a paramilitary, like military police force. But no sort of standing military. Okay. Huh. No, they don't have <clears throat> anything approaching what North Korea has. They didn't really have a, a military in the same way that um, North Korea does. Um, so when North Korea invades over the border, um, they're, they're not really prepared. Um, and the U.S. forces there that serve an occupation force, um, they're, they're not really that prepared either. And so they all eventually um, sort of retreat to um, Pusan. Okay. Um, Pusan is a, is a port city um, sort of at the tip of the Korean Peninsula. Um, it's a major <laughs> port city. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? That Sorry. was like a fifth grade like like laughter. He said peninsula. That's what he said. <laughs> the tip of the peninsula. The tip. They're right. Just the tip of the peninsula. Yeah, just the tip. Oh my god. I feel right. like every time we do this podcast, there's a point where I don't want to send it to my parents, and we just reached it. <laughs> Um, so back, back to the invasion, back to the lecture um, at hand, when the, when the invasion happens, the UN security council, um, condemns it. Um, the, the Soviet union at this time is boycotting because, um, the, the China seat on the, the security council at this time is held by the Republic of China. Um, so, so essentially the Island of Taiwan is, is controlling a UN security seat council and a seat in the UN until 1971. Damn. So Taiwan doing big things. So the security council, um, condemns the invasion. Um, and they, um, and, and they sort of, um, promise action against North Korea. 
Um, MacArthur, who is in charge of the occupation of Japan, is ordered to send uh, materials to um, to the defenders of Pusan, um, and that they will they will send men. He was um, ordered by the United States or the UN. He was ordered by Truman. Oh, okay. The the UN can't actually order. Um, they can just suggest. Yeah, well, this is Truman telling MacArthur to do this. Um, the UN Security Council has condemned it. Um, eventually, um, they will they will send a force. And can we please talk about the name of this Marine Corps force that went? So good. Well, we'll we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to the battle. Oh my god, I'm so excited to talk about it. All right. So, uh, MacArthur. <laughs> He, um, uh, Chang, he, he's been sort of working with Chiang Kai-shek. Um, Chiang Kai-shek wants to send troops to Korea. Um, he wants to fight against the communists there. Um, but Truman and MacArthur don't really want this to happen because they're afraid that it will cause China to jump into the war, um, that they will, um, and that they're also afraid that Chiang will use that as like a, a jumping point to invade China. Hmm. Okay, um, makes so, sense. So on September 15th, 1950, uh, MacArthur lands at Incheon. Um, the North Koreans aren't really prepared. Um, they're, they're smashed. Um, there's very little resistance. Um, MacArthur then, uh, on September 27th, um, he received secret instructions to plan for an invasion of North Korea from Truman. Um, so after they, after they sort of push the North Koreans out of South Korea, and they relieve the defenders at Pusan, they are supposed to push into North Korea and then uh, sort of eliminate um, the the military and government there. Um, on September 30th, um, Zhou Enlai, who's sort of like the big mover and shaker in China under Mao, um, sends a warning to the U.S. through India because they don't actually have diplomatic relations with the U.S. Um, so he uses the ambassador of India as a go-between and that um, an invasion of North Korea would be would cause action from China. Um, they they essentially say that if the U.S. Um, crosses the 38th parallel, that they'll consider it a threat to China. Shit is on, son. The U.S. sort of ignores this. Um, China has just gotten done fighting a civil war. Um, they know the state that China's in at this time. Um, they don't really have the equipment or anything to fight it. Um, so they, they, they think they're bluffing. Um, on October 1st... They think they're um, bluffing? Yes, they think they're bluffing. They think that they that they don't actually have the, the manpower and materials to commit to... Can we um, speak fighting. to that? Like, at the time, what level of... Just anecdotally, I'm not sure if you researched it for this specifically, but what level of uh, intelligence gathering was there? Like, was it well, just like such and such said this? That kind of thing? Well, <laughs> well, China was in really bad shape. Cause the the Civil War, like, you have to remember the Japanese had, had invaded most of industrialized China, and they had destroyed a lot of it. Right. Um, the the Civil said, War. Russia said China doesn't have very many troops, but China said that they have plenty and that Becky was really weak, too. So. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Saying you don't even want me to get started on what Mongolia has been saying. <laughs> Listen, that bitch can stay in her lane, okay? She's saying two uh, things. She was saying one thing with the throat singing and another thing with the speaking. <laughs> so, 
China's in really bad shape. Um, they they're they're sort of in shambles. Um, China under Chiang was not in good shape. Um, inflation was running rampant from the war. Um, they're they're sort of recovering. The civil war destroys things further. Um, they know that the the Russians um, had sort of gone into Manchuria, which was sort of a colony of Japan's for a while. Um, they just the Russians just sort of um, stole everything that wasn't bolted down and, and took it back to Russia, like any factories or anything like that. And they gave very little in material support to um, the Chinese communists. Oh, that's shitty. So they they don't really they don't really think that they have what it takes to sort of mobilize a response um, to this this sort of coalition. Because um, at this time, the UN forces are um, the United States. The United Kingdom, Canada, Turkey, Australia, the Philippines, New Zealand, Thailand, Ethiopia, Greece, France, Colombia, Belgium, South Africa, the Netherlands, and Luxembourg. Okay, listen, not trying to be funny, but what is Ethiopia bringing to the table? Well, you have to remember this is Haile Selassie's (laughs) Ethiopia, and they had just gotten done fighting the Italians in North Africa. Um, So they do actually have a, a competent... Um, military. So they bring experience to the table. And most and most of these military forces, other than say, um, for instance, like Colombia or um, Colombia, Turkey, um, they didn't fight in World War II, um, but um, they they do have you know sort of modern militaries at this time. The other okay. ones, you know, they have they have modern militaries, they have experienced soldiers. Okay, so Ethiopia is bringing experience to the table. Gotcha. So on October first, um, South Korea. Also, I, I just want to note that you you had issues with Ethiopia, but you said nothing of Luxembourg. Well, Luxembourg, it, it, they can supply military. Excuse me. From now on, if you're going to refer to the Luxembourgs, I need you to refer to them as the Luxembourgians. The Luxembourgians. <laughs> they right. bring they bring many many fine chocolates. Yeah, they I can mean, su- they can supply military. Ethiopia, I feel like population wise was not. A- trying to send uh, any sort of military anywhere. Well, that's where you fucked well, up. That's where you fucked up, Ron. <laughs> we also have, like, New Zealand. <laughs> Jesus. New, New Zealand is like a... is, is like Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Australia is like... Uh, we sent Disney word Disney? to every village to send their very best men. <laughs> and he's at them. Got some good folks. Got some got some maoris we got we got some of these other people <laughs> i don't really think you know who you're dealing with so these uh, i don't know if you know these know these blokes but these these maoris they they can fight they fight pretty well <laughs> they mix it up from time to time they're they're warrior people <laughs> hey real, real quick side note was the emu war a real thing yes yes and it was in australia the cassowary war no, they they lost that one. It's not yeah. talked about. Yeah. <laughs> God, I really don't know if I'm being fucked with right now because I see things like it's real. Drop bears. I'm not even fucking around. I'm not well, even fucking drop around. Drop bears. Drop bears are something that's made up to like to to, to, like to joke. Yeah, to mess with tourists and stuff like that. But you know, I hear so much about drop bears, which I know are bullshit. And then you hear something like the emu war, and you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You fought a war against birds, like. Well, they they call it the emu work. So they they had sort of this. Um, emus are very destructive on on agriculture, 
Okay. Like they uproot like plants and stuff like that. And it was essentially this this plan to, to just sort of get rid of this large like emu population that was destroying farmland. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Um, that makes more so sense. It wasn't it wasn't war. like a you know, like a real war. You know, they okay. didn't deliver they didn't deliver the articles of war to the uh, to the rookery. <laughs> Deploying tanks against an emu. <laughs> to the rookery. <laughs> Um, All right, so going from an emu war to an actual war, back to Korea. So the the Australians are well prepared for this. Um, on October first, the the South Koreans cross the thirty eighth parallel. Um, oh, the South Korean the military South Koreans goes through, or like the U.S. as well. Just the South Koreans. Okay. Um, the the Chinese at this time, the officials begin having emergency meetings in Beijing about what to do. Um, it, it seems like the moment that they were dreading has come. Um, then on October 7th, the UN forces cross the border. Um, on October 10th, Joanne Lai sends a delegation with himself um, to, to meet with Stalin at Stalin's Black Sea home. Um, Stalin um, a- a- agrees to give his blessing to the, to the Chinese intervening, and he commits the Red Air Force to them because they don't have an Air Force. Um, Stalin, though, is, is kind of a dick about it. Um, when he finally agrees to it, this is after about a week of negotiation. Isn't that like uh, what's on his gravestone? Stalin, he was kind of a dick about it. He's kind it. of a dick about it. <laughs> he was he, kind of a dick. He, he won't give immediate support. He says that um, that if they were to get materials from him, they wouldn't come until 1951, and that it will take several months for the Red Air Force you know, to be deployed in China. Boy, talk about dragging your fucking heels. Um, yeah, seriously. October on October fifteenth, uh, MacArthur famously meets with President Truman at Wake Island, um, of of the battlefield map fame. Dude, that's um, a, battlefield nineteen forty two. You mean that is a great yeah. game? Ah, oh, I love that. So, so MacArthur meets with Truman. Uh, essentially, they meet here because um, MacArthur's a dick, and he was called <laughs> back to Washington and. MacArthur Isn't that what's on his gravestone? Essentially, <laughs> MacArthur's General a dick. MacArthur. Yeah, kind of a dick with his with his corn pop pipe. Yeah, I was gonna say he was the pipe guy, right? Yeah, yeah. He had the dog and the um, pipe, bro. So he'll meet he'll meet with um, he'll meet with Truman at Wake Island. Is sort of like his his halfway between. Um, there, there's a lot of dick waving. For instance, MacArthur lands on the island first when when Truman should be given the the difference, um, being the president. Um, so Truman's angry at MacArthur, and um, and he and MacArthur essentially assures Truman because Truman's worried that MacArthur wants to widen the war to China um, because MacArthur is is a crazy asshole, um, and MacArthur assures Truman, you know, that China will not invade and he won't invade China. And, and there's a quote from him: he said, "If the Chinese tried to get down to Pyongyang, there would be the greatest slaughter in history." Oof! Because because the the U.S. has so much air support in the war um, that for a Chinese force, you know, without any air support, they would they would essentially be a shooting gallery. Fair. Um, so on October nineteenth, um, the Chinese intervene. Um, the Chinese People's Volunteer Army secretly crosses into North Korea. Um, they're called the People's Volunteer Army because they're not actually officially the People's Liberation Army. Um, they're they're said to be just a volunteer force of like concerned um, Chinese citizens. 
Uh, so this so, is not so, an official Chinese response. So in, in, in the same way, it, it, it kind of is, but it isn't. Um, it's kind of in the same way, you know, that all those all those troops in Ukraine, um, they're, they're not actually Russians, you know, they're just Russian Russian military personnel who are on leave. Um, gotcha. it's kind of, okay. It's kind of a similar situation. Did you say? All, did you just say that all Ukrainians are just Russian military personnel on leave? No, all the all the ones that invaded oh, Ukraine. Oh, okay. Okay. All those Russian it's soldiers like just a are actually of leave personnel. <laughs> um. So and and I will note that like all the generals in this force are like major POA generals that fought in the the Chinese Civil War. Right. Uh, Mao's son is among the the commanders in this. His son is eventually killed in an air raid. Oof. Um, um, so the Chinese attack. They decimate um, Korean and U.S. forces along the border. Um, they they attack a couple units and destroy them um, using guerrilla tactics. Um, afterwards, they disappear into the mountains. They don't really press their gains. Um, some people, like, there's a lot of stories, you know, people don't know what's going on. Um, they, these sort of, these sort of guys come and attack them, um, and then just sort of disappear afterwards. Um, so the survivors think, you know, that they're either Korean soldiers, and most people are still in denial, you know, that the Chinese have become involved. Hmm. Um, so the UN high command is, is unconvinced. Um, and on November 25th, um, they launched the um, the Home by Christmas offensive. Um, so the idea of this offensive is they're going to finish off North Korea um, and that they'll all be able to, you know, sue for peace and go home by Christmas time. What year is that? November 1950. Wow. On November 27th, um, the Chinese initiate the second phase of their offensive. Um, so after sort of doing these sort of probing attacks and sort of destroying these these units along the border, um, they they move further into North Korea, and this is when the Battle of Chosin Reservoir happens because it's it begins on November twenty seventh, nineteen fifty. It ends December thirteenth, nineteen fifty. All right, so here we go, on to our main story. So how like how long was Chosin? It was it was three months, or it was like a month because like they wanted to get there by Christmas. No, well, no. The Battle of Chosin Reservoir is only is about three weeks. Oh, okay. It's a little under three weeks. It's from November twenty seventh to December thirteenth. Okay, I was thinking it was like a month. Okay, yeah. how they like? Did they plan on getting their Christmas shopping done? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know I how they were it doing is it while in, they were over there. Back in those days, you know, you just get a sock, you know, with a bar with a like a bar of chocolate in it and an orange. So a sock. Well, you know, like instead of like an actual, instead of, instead of an actual stocking, you know, you just have a sock, and there'd be like an yeah. orange, Una or whatever. Yeah, I thought you meant like as a gift, you get a sock. I was like, damn, can you at least just give me the pair? You can have the orange and the chocolate back for a sock. Well, no, you gotta, you gotta earn it. At I'm the sorry. Price if, if you were a regular, like, if single child in a family, you got a pair of socks. I'm pretty sure this it's apocryphal that they only got one sock, but. If you oh, were no. like, if you had a son who had like a younger brother, then you would give them both a sock, and they would have to fight it out to see who was going to go to Chosin. That's, I'm that's... so glad that I that I grew up in, in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s that I could have two socks, and my brothers could also each have two socks. Right, there and you didn't is. have to kill your brother so that you could go to battle. <laughs> 
there's if you've ever there's like a uh, a movie about MacArthur. It's sort of like his biopic, and there's actually a somewhat like it's not meant to be funny, but it is kind of funny. But there's a bunch of like American soldiers like eating Thanksgiving dinner in like camp and like just talking about like how great it will be to like be home by by Christmas, and they're all like they're all like laughing, and then like a bunch of Chinese guys just come and like shoot them all to death. Oh my god! Wow, wow! Talk about going somewhere I had no. Wow, that thing took a hard left turn. Yeah, but so Chosin, the the location, it, it still exists. It's a man made reservoir. Um, it was created by the Japanese. Um, the reason why it's called Chosin is because it's the Japanese name for the place. Um, in Korean, it's called Chungjin. Um, the UN forces reusing Japanese maps because those were the only modern maps of the area. Right. Um, so they called it by the Japanese name. That's crazy. It just so and where, it just where, stuck. Where is the um, actual reservoir located? Is it located in North or South Korea? It's in North Korea. Now, it's, okay. So being that it's in North Korea, what would be the correct pronunciation of it? Like it would be Chongjin. Chongjin would be the common parlance right now. Yeah. Okay. I, I pulled it up on Google Maps so you can see where it is and where okay. the escape was to. Okay. Um, so, so just to know before we get into it that the the route that if you were going by Google Maps and you were you were taking a road trip from from the essentially the port in in Hamhung to um, the the Chongjin Reservoir. Um, it would be an hour and 53 minute car ride. So you're talking about almost 200 miles. It's about, actually it's less. It's about 99.8 kilometers. What is that in freedom units? Let me look up real quick. Google maps has a thing. Even if you're like from the United States, since they use kilometers in Korea, 73 miles. Takes two hours to drive. An hour and yeah, so about two hours to drive. I don't know what the speed limit is though, because it, it goes by what the local speed limit is. Oh, okay, okay, so, okay. That makes more sense. Okay, I'm, I'm sure thinking highway speeds. Okay, I'm sure it's um, it's pretty slow. So at at that time, um, the weather um, the there's a forecast here from November 14th. Um, the weather in that area it got as cold as as minus 36 degrees Fahrenheit. So I read that and. That is just, I mean, Ryan. I know you've been in cold, really cold weather, and Steve, you've been you've been in really cold weather too. I think we've all we're not like yeah. all just we, we live in Florida, but we're not all just Floridians who don't experience or haven't experienced it. And, no, I braved the frozen tundras of Boston yeah, growing get, up, and it gets like people people are like oh Boston, it's like you're in it's like you're in the North Pole, and it's like uh, yeah, I was no, a few times, cold, <laughs> yeah, no, but like every once in a while it would be like negative fifteen, and you'd just be like, I'm not leaving yeah, my house. Chill, it can get down there. Yeah, no, it's yeah, cold. absolutely. And then I was in Detroit uh, for one for the Super Bowl in 2005, and it was it was negative. I'd have to look it up again, but with the lake effect, it was like negative 10. And I thought that was the coldest I had ever been, right? Like, I thought we were going to die. We were trying to find a fucking cab after the Super Bowl. It's another story. I thought I was going to die. But then we went to a convention in D.C., 
and it was the coldest it had ever been in D.C. This was like three or four years ago, and it was like right off the Potomac at the Gaylord Palms. And uh-huh. I have never been that cold. It was at least – it was wind chilling into like negative 20. Good Lord. And I, I went I went outside for like 12 seconds to vape because at the time I was a complete douchebag who was vaping a lot. <laughs> right? And so I went outside to get popcorn. We've mom. all been there. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> so I went outside to, to vape and I literally couldn't vape. I had to go back in. The priority was not to die. Oh <laughs> so my I God. can't imagine what it would be like to be in negative 36. Is that what it was? Yeah, negative 36. Like, how do you move your finger to even well, they pull the said trigger of on your Wikipedia, gun? I don't, I, Steve's got other stuff, but on Wikipedia, they were saying, like, the fucking gun, like, the spring was frozen up. It, it couldn't generate enough force to actually fire around, and the lubricant gelled up because it was so cold. That's how cold it was. Yeah, the machines like stopped vehicle, working. Vehicles stopped working. Medical supplies would freeze. Uh, and yet we you, persisted. The human beings. If you were, if you, for instance, if you were shot, or if you like took like a like a big like chest wound, like it was very possible that you would that you would die like instantly from the wound because the, the it would be so cold that you would freeze from the inside out. Yeah, holy that, that, shit! I mean, that's that, metal as fuck, but still, it is. Shit. It's kind of like imagine drinking a Slurpee, but like as soon as you get the brain freeze, it, it doesn't stop. Oh god! Can you imagine like a whole body freeze like that? Yeah, oh, just god. like oh, this is the best Slurpee I've ever had. And if and if you exposed your skin too, you risk getting gangrene, like almost instantly. That's funny, like, you can pull a glove off and watch your hand turn black from frostbite as you're pulling your glove off. Right. So, at this, um, at this time, the, the commanders of the force that's, that's sort of encamped around Chongqin Reservoir is under, um, is under these two generals. Uh, mainly, um, bring up his full name, uh, Major General um, Edward Allman, of U.S. Um, U.S. Army Tenth uh, Corps. Yeah, I think McCarthy and- used to call him Eddie Nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie Nuts. <laughs> and then, because he was, because he was so crazy. No, because his last name was Almond. <laughs> <laughs> and I love how he just keeps going. He's just like fucking keep going. <laughs> Uh, so what did Eddie Nuts do and Johnson and Oliver P. Smith who was the the major general of the 1st Marine Division God I wish his last name was something that started with P so you could have Eddie Nuts in OPP yeah just it was Oliver P. P. and Eddie Nuts and we sent our very best men in so both oh of these God. guys seriously dislike each other, uh, mostly like sort of also because of like inner service rivalries. Mm-hmm. Um, but for instance, when they landed at Inchon, let's back um, up a second. Oliver Peanuts is Army, right? Yeah, okay. Edward Almond is Marine. No, Edward Almond is the Army Major General. Oliver P. Smith is the commander. Oh, I'm sorry. He's the Major General is the commander of the Marines. Okay, yes. okay. Oliver but P. Eddie, Nuts. Eddie, 
listen, but Eddie Nuts, who has the arguably cooler name, well, arguably nothing, who has the objectively name Nuts. Can so, we actually talk about what he commanded, though? Like, what the name of this was? The 10th Corps? I thought it was the X Corps. We're calling God it the X Corps. Look, we're, we're calling not, it the X Corps. Look, listen to me, Steve Jobs. <laughs> X, X is X, and we're calling it the X Corps. This is the okay. fucking X Corps. This is not the goddamn 10 Corps. All right. So what you're saying, like, when the battle happened, he said, to arms, my X-Men. Yes. yes. That's what he said. He did. <laughs> Some guy pulled out a fucking bugle and was like, dun, 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 dun. That's not, not going to lie. I saw X Corps and I was like, I thought the only thing I could think of was a sports team. All I could think was, dun, dun, dun. Next on ESPN, the Chosen Reservoir Massacre. X Corps. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. So both both these generals sort of dislike each other. Um, so. Um, Smith doesn't really like Almond because um, when they did the landing at Inchon, Almond had um, had talked about how easy an amphibious landing is, even though he had never done one before. Um, and, and amphibious landings are not easy. Shit's like, cake. Like, like you will most like there. There's a good chance that you will fail. So, can you explain what an amphibious landing is? Do you mean like a landing from water to land with a whole army? Yes. Ah, okay. That right, if you're that sense. if you're fighting an actual like defense, mm-hmm. like Norman, like Normandy was, for most of it, a failure. Oh yeah. Like they were like Omar Bradley had made the had made the call to retreat, but it never got relayed. That's fucking crazy, man. So like the only reason why it succeeded was because you know he his command had never been delivered, and just just through sort of like the grace of God, they had like succeeded. Due to the grace of God and the greatest generation the United States ever seen, can I get a hoorah? Hoorah! That's the greatest generation landing on the beaches, son. So because they because they dislike each other, um, Smith is like sort of slow to slow to advance to the reservoir. You know, they're already just being um, dick dicks to each other. Um, and Smith also established supply points at. Um, at both uh, Hagari and and Kotori. Um so they're they're sort of That's pushing to the section. pushing towards the reservoir, and while they're doing this, um, the Chinese are planning to attack um, the garrisons at at, at Udomini and Senhongni, which are two other sort of like village areas where they have bases set up. And then they're going to push towards um, Hagari which is that um, location that I just mentioned where the, the supply is at. I am so glad it's you, not me, trying to name all these towns and areas. So the, <laughs> the Chinese plan is essentially that they're going to war in um, a U.S. force um, to, to sort of defend Hagari. They don't really have a plan of attacking it. The idea is they want to make um, the U.N. forces think they're going to attack it, and then they're going to sort of um, send a force to to stop them, and they will just surround and like destroy the force. That's so they're sort of kind of an odd plan, I guess. But they did well, again intelligence gathering, right? They're they're sort of operating on on sort of the same strategies they used during the Chinese Civil War, in that they know they can't beat them in a stand up fight. So the idea is you lure them into an ambush. And that is the the U.S. idea. No, that's the Chinese. Oh, the Chinese idea. idea. Right, right, right. I'm sorry. 
So that's what I meant is, to say. Like I've I've posted the the sort of order of battle map, mm-hmm. and you can see that the red lines are the the Chinese attack, and they've just sort of encircled them. It looks like they were going for a what do you call it? Blitzkrieg. It looks like they were going for a classic annexation of Puerto Rico. Annexation of Puerto Rico. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Spike don't play ball with girls. Icebox wreck his shit. <laughs> Continue with the battle, Steve. So the the Chinese had very little intelligence um, about the the forces and and also what was that Hagari. Um, that if they had probably attacked Hagari and taken it out early, um, they probably would have fared a lot better um, because um, Hagari was had artillery support there and also um, they were building an airstrip, so it did have limited air support. Okay. Um, the forces at Chosen also had, uh, what was at that time, and, and I believe throughout the war, like the largest um, sort of amount of air support. Yeah, yeah, I read that that the basically the U.S. had like five divisions of of air support, and they had five five there were five naval divisions, I think, or something something along that lines. They had they had multiple aircraft carriers of support, and then they had multiple air force divisions. Was there there was an air force at that time, right? Yeah, there was. Yeah, okay. It wasn't um, Army Air Corps. It was Air no, Force. It was, it was it become the Air Force by then. It, or, or it was Air Force. Af- I think it was during or after World War Two. Like at the it was end. after World War Two. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. So the the Chinese ambushed the forces of Chosen from all sides, um, and they they sort of attack in these these sort of tight groups of fifty to hundred men, um, and and because of the way they attack, where they're sort of um, attacking in these sort of guerrilla attacks where they'll attack, um, faint away and then attack again, or from another angle. Um, it sort of creates this myth that became popular after the war that the Chinese used these sort of human wave attacks. Which was kind of propaganda, more or less, right? Yes. And it was it's sort of like how the, the, the Germans say the same thing about the Soviets. They have sort of the myth, you know, that the Soviets were just throwing bodies at them. And you know that they they didn't actually win the war due to having like better tactics and decent equipment. Right. It was like playing Zerg on StarCraft. Zerg Rush. <laughs> <laughs> no uh, links. Ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a nerd. So. <laughs> Sorry. Listen, side note, listen, side note, because we talk about StarCraft, and I'm going to tell you right now, I am a StarCraft super fan. When I was in middle school, so eighth grade, eighth grade and ninth grade, yeah. I played StarCraft so much that on uh, Battle.net US East Ladder, my highest rank was number seven. Whoa. Get at me. Wow. Get at me. I was in single digits on the East Coast, so or I, US East. I suck at StarCraft, but I'll kick your ass at civilization <laughs> I can't stand real time strategy I tried to play Civ and I just I don't like the board game style of it yeah. it throws me off and I can't get a rhythm and I think you're in in terms of playing games you're going to either be good at one or the other yeah, or you're, you're going to you like either one prefer, or the other more. it is a strong dichotomy that you either prefer real time strategy or turn based strategy and I think that yeah. like my wife loves turn based strategy and she's fucking sick at it she beats my ass. That's why I haven't played her in chess yet, because I want to have at least one thing that she hasn't beaten me at. 
because she'll definitely beat me at it. She'll find a way. She'll be like, oh, what's that, the Rui Lopez? And I'll be like, how the hell do you know what I just opened with? Are you Bobby Fisher? Did I marry Bobby Fisher? She's not She's not anti-Semitic, so she can't be She Bobby can't be Bobby Fisher. Fisher. That's true. She'd have to oh be. My God. She's part Jewish. She'd have to be. Like She's like 2% or something, or like 45,000%. I don't know. They always change it. But anyway, long that, story short. That, that totally counts. She's, she's really, she's <laughs> yeah. really going to get that headstone delivered from Israel. She yeah. is, bro. Dude, no, no problem at all. But the thing is, is uh, to relate this back, uh, all war is real-time strategy. All of it. And StarCraft is just war in the future. It is. I'm kind of internet famous now. <laughs> um, so, so during this attack, um, which um, both the uh, the generals, you know, they were they're sort of wary about. Um, Allman doesn't think they're coming. Um, Smith is Smith is more, you know, willing to believe that there is going to be an attack. Um, um, he's he's not as cocksure as as Almond is. Um, so. Cocksure. So, so they're essentially ordered to break out. Cocksure um, nuts. Of, they're they're ordered to break out of the encirclement um, and and sort of retreat to um, Hungnam, which is a nearby port. Um, so starting on the night of the twenty seventh, um, attacks and counterattacks happen along the the escape route. Um, this is when um, one of the um, more notable stories of it happens. What's called um, Task Force Faith. Yeah, I, I, that guy's picture is just ridiculous. Um, and Doesn't that it, sound also- like a twentieth-first century kind of thing that we hear about that shouldn't exist in the military kind of thing? What's that? Like a Task Force Faith? Like these are Christian soldiers? Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Well, his well, his name is. Lieutenant Colonel Don Carlos Faith Jr. That is that is just amazing. That's an That's amazing name. That's an incredible name. name. But imagine so, if his name was Don Gustavo Faith Jr. <laughs> Even better. Such a powerful name. Powerful Gustavo. name. Gustavo. Gustavo. So this is actually the the unofficial like the official name of it is Regimental Combat Team 31. Yeah, um, and it's it's also force face sounds yeah bad. that's it's boring that sounds force regimental sounds combat bad. force thirty one sounds like something Gary Gygax masturbated to yeah. and they're also yeah. um, they're also nicknamed Task Force McQueen because McQueen was the original um, commander Steve McQueen Steve, Steve? <laughs> McQueen not McQueen uh, Mc- Don McQueen <laughs> Mister Clean. <laughs> Run up on you the old damn team. A white supremacist. Oh my god! <laughs> Did you know that? No, no. He, he clearly has blonde so, hair because his eyebrows are blonde, a- blue eyes, and he's obsessed with cleansing the earth. Oh my! Oh my god! <laughs> so this is this is sort of like also why Faith is a badass because essentially what happens is, um, so Allman demands his team do the impossible. He he demands them to like sort of break out of this encirclement because he believes that the Chinese forces are less than what they are. Um, one of the anecdotes from this is while he ordered the Colonel, um, the, the, um, Colonel McQueen to, um, do this, he gives, um, he awards three silver stars to his, um, to officers under him. And one of them is, uh, a Lieutenant Colonel faith. And he, um, he allegedly throws the medal like away in disgust. Oof! Wow. 
so no no reinforcements arrive for them while they're they're sort of on this breakout they're they're sort of leading this team of like wounded men in, in trucks um sort of sort of going down down south towards um hung nam um so it's negative 30 degrees fahrenheit there's no visibility um there's no, supposed no to be visibility getting... why snow snow and just just general like weather conditions okay it's it's the dead of winter um at nighttime and stuff like that give um, people an idea of where they are in the world if you like trace the 38th parallel around well yeah, they are they are close to the border uh, i mean they're, like, they're... let's say you took all right let's say you took chosan right no let's say you're standing yeah you're, let's say you're standing at chosan and you and traced you it uh, around the globe to a place that many of our listeners might be aware of, where would that be? Um, it's in the same areas like sort of Mongolia. Ooh. The same latitude. Um, Kazakhstan. Um, I'm seeing... Um, I'm seeing Canada. I'm seeing Missouri. Wow. <laughs> no, it's more like like Washington. Like Washington okay. State, yeah. Oh, okay. Whew. Yeah, it gets it can get freaking cold. Yeah, so I wasn't too off Canada. And Korea is a peninsula, so any kind of weather is definitely going to be affected by the ocean, and it gets much colder there probably than it does in other places. Maybe I'm speaking anecdotally and completely out of my ass, but no. Uh, next to water is typically at least a couple degrees cooler, generally speaking, than inland. So it's cold. They can't see. They're supposed to be getting reinforcements, um, but their reinforcements were recalled um, to back to Ahagiri the previous day. Psych. Um, they're they're not Psych. supposed to. They're they're supposed to be coming, but um, this is this is often <laughs> this is often debated about like why this happened. Um, it's considered to be like just just sort of self-serving to protect the base. You know, instead of sending them out there to to sort of protect this um, this task force that they've sort of left for dead, um, so Colonel McQueen um, during this um, he's he's sort of out like on on recon and he sees an approaching group and he believes that it's the reinforcements, but it's actually the Chinese, and they they shoot him and capture him and he dies four days later in their in their custody. That's um, not they, good. They they take him as a POW. That's um, really not good. <laughs> Lieutenant Lieutenant Colonel Don Faith takes command. Um, he he sort of does his best to leave them air support. Um, gives them um, the the support they need to inflict heavy losses on the the Chinese, which they are doing a lot of damage to them. But um, they're they're still making their way and they're still having a hard time. Um, on December first, um, they attempt to um, they attempt to break out. Um, but uh, even further, but the darkness doesn't allow air support. Um, so they have to sort of do it on their own. They, they find all these roadblocks that they have to get through that the Chinese have set up. Um, and as sort of the trucks break through the, the Chinese roadblocks, um, the Chinese will throw like white phosphorus hand grenades into the trucks full of like wounded men. Oh my God. Oh, what? So, so think, so think of like, um, your standard, you know, like tarp on the back, like, like World War II army truck. It's like those. And they're just throwing Oof. white phosphorus onto it? Well, white phosphorus hand grenades into it. So white phosphorus that explodes everywhere. Yeah. 
and and just like burns them all to death. Jesus. Um, it's it's during these um during these attacks that um Lieutenant um Colonel Faith is shot to death by Chinese rifle fire. Um individual soldiers are able to escape um and and also small groups um cuz the Chinese don't really take prisoners. Right. Um not in the sense that they not in the sense that they kill everybody, um but they're still operating how they did in the Chinese Civil War where like they'll take an officer captive but like if it's just a regular soldier and they're not fighting them, like they just throw down their weapon or they they're like moving away from them, um, they just let them flee. They don't take them as POWs. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying like I thought you were they saying just they them. just killed them. Yeah, you yeah, went, you went no, a different direction. They're 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 actually a bit different because like during the Chinese Civil War, they were actually like better behaved than the nationalists because the idea was that they build like goodwill. So th- among the Chinese people. So they're still playing by that playbook, and they're like, "Well, that guy's, you know, not not fighting me, so I'm just going to let him go." Yeah, and, uh, I've, I've definitely okay. heard that story before, and I think I heard it on uh, Laszlo's podcast, uh, the China History podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they they let these soldiers go. Some soldiers are able to make it through. Um, of all the men that get through, um, there are there. Um, 2,500 soldiers that make um, that that are of the original number, about 1,050 managed to reach Haguri, and only 385 of them are deemed, like, able-bodied, that they can still fight. So 1,050, mm-hmm. and out of them, only 385 can still fight. The yeah. rest of them are completely effed. Yeah. The, and, oh, and, shit. and over half the unit is, or half the the group is dead. Jeez, man. Um, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Faith is awarded the Medal of Honor um, post um, posthumously. Posthumously, yeah, yeah, posthumously. Um, and then, uh, to, and then on the Chinese side, um, they they estimate that around um, the American estimate is there was around seven thousand to ten thousand killed. Um, the Chinese say there were four thousand three hundred killed and wounded. It's crazy. It's just crazy numbers, like from World War One all the way through, uh, even into Vietnam. It's just the amount of dead. Just, ugh, it's just sickening to me. Well, you know what's crazy too is you figure that, you know, the the Marines lost. We're talking about what twelve thousand men in a matter of a month, three weeks, in three weeks. Three weeks. Okay, yeah, three weeks. And they lost I mean, most of them. Uh, well, they lost twelve thousand men in that in that amount of time, and the Chinese lost somewhere in the well, neighborhood they, of what, like a hundred. Uh, well, go ahead. Well, the the U.S. casualties, um, if you if you count the missing um, casualties, is like including the wounded. That's seventeen thousand eight hundred and forty three total. Um, and without that, that's like around uh, thirteen thousand. Um, th- around thirteen thousand are dead. You know what's crazy and, and, is if you go around, and that's what that's what China says. Well, no, that the Chinese estimate is is actually pretty close to what the U.S. estimate is if you take away the the wounded. Right. Um, because but over half those are non-battle casualties, which means um, that seven thousand three hundred and thirty-eight of those men died from, you know, just the elements. 
Yeah, and what's crazy is uh, what I was reading about it earlier was that the the Chinese, if you look at their numbers, twenty eight thousand nine hundred and fifty four non non battle casualties in three weeks. That's so like you just don't see numbers like that. No, the thing about that, like they talked about, like how at some point they got divided, and maybe Steve can speak to that more. Um, they got divided at some point, and they couldn't they couldn't supply the military, so a shitload of people just died because they couldn't eat. What? Well, they didn't they didn't really have like supplies when they went in, and like, it's, and, and it's like you said earlier that that area of Korea is really sparsely populated. The fuck is this Black Hawk down? You're not going in with supplies. So you think you're just going to be in and out? Like what? They don't. They don't have supplies, so they're they're essentially like foraging. Like even at that time, like the Soviet Union, if you're like a cook in the Red Army, like the cook's manual for the Red Army at like the end of World War II is pretty much about how like you can just turn like roots and weeds into like food. So it's 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 more one of those like books of like of like what's edible in your garden as opposed to like this is how you cook a meal. Hmm. Um, so the the Chinese don't really have that good of communication because they don't really have you know modern equipment. Um, they're they're using like couriers and things like that. Um, they're in dugouts. Um, like for instance, um, there there's sort of orders given to the twentieth Army Group, which is supposed to um, sort of have a pivotal role in the battle. They're supposed to block the the retreat, but um, they they don't really exist anymore because they've just been decimated by like um, continued artillery barrages and um, and sort of air air barrages wow and and so they're they're able to sort of eventually um, gain gain a sort of um, upper hand on the Chinese um, so at, on December 6th the seventh Marines are able to secure a route from um, Haguri to Dakotori um, and hold off the Chinese with air support. Um, they're able to sort of get the high ground and just sort of keep them at bay while pounding them with air support. Um, so the the PVA at this point, the the People's Volunteer Army, is is pretty desperate. Um, they they're underestimating, um, as I said before, you know that units have been destroyed and that U.S. air support is is more than they estimated. Um, there's, there's, on December seventh, uh, the first Marines attacked the Chinese at um, at Hill 1081. Um, most of the hills have like number names like that because they don't actually have like like place names. It's just a random hill and it just gets a designation. Right. They were doing that in Vietnam too. Yeah. Yeah, because because nobody lives out in this area and nobody nobody cares. Yeah, and I mean to come up just to come up off the top of your head and name these fucking hills all over the place. No, that'd be ridiculous. Well, one of the areas in the in the past between Haguri and, and Kotori is called Hellfire Valley is the name it was given. Alright, let's talk about Hellfire Valley because I feel like that has a story to it. They don't really... Um, Isn't that the, um, the name of the uh, follow-up movie to Twin Peaks? <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah, Hellfire Valley, walk with me. <laughs> so, and then two, because they have, um, I, I should note, I, I sort of missed it, is that the uh, the famous, um, one of, probably one of the most famous colonels in Marine history is also involved in this battle. Uh, he's, he's at sort of at, uh, 
he's he sent to sort of help them at Hagaruri, uh Chesty Puller. Chesty Puller. Puller. That's his name. Chest, Chesty Puller. If you can look at a picture of him, and this man is like, you look at him, and he's like the perfect marine. Oh my like, god, he looks like the the uh, the marine Jesus. from Stripes, like the guy that's the drill sergeant. Yeah, lighten up, Francis. Chesty. No, this been... guy's name is literally Chesty, like C H E S T Y. Chesty he, Puller. He, he had been fighting um, in the Marines since like the 30s. He was involved in a lot of like the the U.S. sort of like invasions of Haiti and Nicaragua. Um, is what they call the Banana Wars. Steve, he later was in he was World born War II. at West Point, Virginia. Yeah, in 1898. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of what kind of like determinative <laughs> shit is that? <laughs> five foot seven, by the way. Five foot seven. Badass. He is, he is. He is definitely like one of those like like all those like stories and movies they have about like the overbearing father or whatever. And he's like, "Ma, I was in the army, and you'll be in the army or whatever." Like he's the case where that actually like turned out. Wow. Where like his, his like overbearing like father was like you're gonna be in the Marine Corps and he was just like didn't go crazy and like kill everybody. Oh my god. Well, well, he did kill everybody, but they were they were on the side that he was supposed to be killing. <laughs> so so he's involved in this battle in, back in back in November. Um, he sent from from Hagaruri, um, he sent from Kotori to to Hagaruri to to help them. Um, so, um, on sort of uh, back during that time, uh, they they fight in what is called um, Hellfire Valley, um, just just sort of the nickname for it um, because of all the the Chinese forces they had to fight there. Mm-hmm. Okay, makes sense then. It does. Why? Why? <laughs> it's just Hellfire those... Valley constant fight, constant fighting. No, it's not like that giant like fire hole that's in. Um... In Turkmenistan, Centralia, Pennsylvania. South <laughs> Centralia, Pennsylvania. <laughs> uh, that's where this guy was born. Inside but the that fires was in, of the coal burning. But that was that was Chesty Puller emerged from a dark, that was, dark, that was, fiery depth. That was born Colonel, with a pipe in his teeth. Colonel Chesty Puller in in Task Force Drysdale, fighting fighting the People's uh, Volunteer Army, Sixtieth um, Division. You know you're a badass when your name's Lieutenant Colonel Chesty Puller, but then no, like, he's a Colonel Steve. I'm sorry, excuse me. A, uh, a Colonel Lieutenant is higher General than a Lieutenant Colonel Chesty Puller, and uh, I go on his Wikipedia page, and the first picture of him is from 1931, and it's him as a sergeant with two Nicaraguan soldiers, and uh, and he's like, it looks like a cowboy like photo, like this guy's like. This guy is like some legend stuff. Is one of those cowboys Cesar Augusto Sandino? Uh, well, there's yes, that, uh... it is. He fought is in the last major engagement of the Santino or Sandino Rebellion near El Sauce on December 26th. <laughs> the day after Christmas, this guy was like, I'm going to fight now. I'm done eating ham. He, he shows up in the Pacific, the miniseries, the one that's like not as good as Band of Brothers. Um, yeah. There's a there's a scene where he shows up and he just like shows up and they're just like it's Chesty fucking Puller. 
like it's 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 just sort of like that hey it's a famous guy like they just like wave to him really he's just like he's just like we're gonna kick the shit out of them like (laughs) hell yeah wow so to to get back to uh what's going on in december um the first marines you know they attacked the chinese at hill 1081 on the same day um december 7th the seventh marines and remnants of of our boys at uh at um of the the combat team um 31 uh, regimental combat team 31 they attack um they attacked this bridge the chinese had built um in the funchland pass which you can also see on the map um it, 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 they call it the treadway bridge because it's um it's sort of a uh, a bridge that they've made out of um just just different materials sort of one of those makeshift bridges mm-hmm. um and they they attack it and the the chinese had sort of dug in here because they were expecting an attack from the americans and they were going to ambush them but when they attack this bridge there's nobody there to attack them and they find that the chinese had frozen to death in their foxhole <laughs> that <laughs> so there's just like chinese icicles like just sitting in the freaking Holes? There's just corpsicles in the holes corpsicles. in the ground. Corpsicle sounds like is, uh, such a death metal band. The first thing I thought of is Metal Gear Solid when you're fighting um, the sniper battle. And if you advance your PlayStation's clock forward a week, he dies. So you actually don't have to fight him. <laughs> yeah, the, the end. The first thing I thought of. Yeah, the end. What is this? In, in Metal, Metal Gear, Gear Solid 3. <laughs> is it 3 The or guy four? in the wheelchair, the, the sniper... I am like I, the last Metal Gear Solid I played was two Sons of Liberty, but he's he's really old. Yeah, it's so an old the, man. So the in joke, like Easter egg, is is that if you take your clock um, on your PS2 and you advance it from where you are mm-hmm. by I, I think it's like a year or something. And he it's dies. just one week. One week oh. in game time is just you advance it and that's it. He's dead. He he, he dies of natural causes. That's so true. like you roll up and he's just dead laying on the ground. So that's the first thing I thought of. Like they're just rolling up and finding dead Chinese people. So after all this, um, they're they're able to sort of secure route. Um, on December eighth, the the tenth corps is able. Um, the the U.S. eighth corps, uh, U.S. eighth army, um, and and all of them, they're able to get to Hungnam. Um, and at this time too, you have to remember there are Korean forces with them. There's also a contingent of um, of British um, soldiers. Right. Hungnam is south. It's it's on the coast, so oh, it's, it's to like the southeast it's actually, of there. Yeah, it's to the southeast of Chosun. So there's there's three South Korean corps with them. Um, one, two, one one division of Marines, two divisions of of U.S. Army infantry, and then the forty first Independent uh, Royal uh, Commando Royal Marines. Who are attached to the First Marine Division? Crazy. So you so you have Royal Marines with them as well. What's the difference between a Royal Marine and a British soldier? Uh, the same difference there is between a, a Marine and an Army man. Ah, okay, got it. And the Chinese have they have fifteen divisions. Fifteen divisions of what? Of of the People's Volunteer Army, like I mean, number wise, how many people were in a division? 
and this is at the end of the war, end of Chosin, like after well, this we've is, this evacuated. This is by the end of it. Okay. okay. So their 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 nominal strength is one hundred and fifty thousand. After and they, it happened. Well, all in all, and they committed one hundred and twenty thousand. So there are one hundred and twenty thousand like people fighting. Okay, and the other thirty thousand are just like radar. They're arriving. just sort of like like sort of medical people, like like sort of like non non combat people. They're they're not committed to the fight. They're they're doing backup duty. And then for um, the UN forces, you have a uh, hundred and three thousand five hundred and twenty. Um, nominal forces, and then thirty thousand of those are, are committed to the actual fighting. Hmm. So where the hell are the other seventy thousand? Dead? They're 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 wounded, or they're doing other other duty. Like what kind of like such as? I'm just wondering. Doing 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 support, um, just just that type of duty. That's kind of weird. That's kind of weird because the the difference is so stark. Like in in the Chinese forces. 30, only 30,000 of them weren't there. And then in the, you know, the nominal strength is 103,000. So maybe a lot well, of those the, people were like at bases and maybe on the ships and that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, the thing is too, I think it's also counting the naval, um, the naval ships, but, yeah. but sort of the thing, but the thing is too, that the, the Chinese are committing all those men and they, they also lost, you know, like, like 50,000 people. What? Like, yeah. So the losses. The total losses were uh, thirteen thousand nine hundred, like you said. That's the Chinese estimation when you do the count, and then the UN estimation, the unofficial estimation, is sixty thousand for the Chinese. So they lost a significant number in the war. In that battle. In that, in that battle. Yeah, that one battle. Not even the that battle. Well, in the war, they also lost a. Sh- shitload more than the U.S., at least as far as estimations go. So, um, he's, um, he's, he, he sort of needs them, um, he needs the, the, so, um, by the time they get to, um, Hong Nam, um, I had misspoke earlier, um, it's the, the U.S. Uh, 10th Corps is, is sort of ordered to reinforce the U.S. 8th Army, um, which has which had already been retreating towards the thirty eighth parallel. So so he's already committed these forces to to helping um, an already depleted, um, badly damaged uh, um, another um, group. Jeez. What effect did the uh, did the chosen reservoir have on the overall Korean War? Like when they got out of it had the korean war like i I hate to sound like an ignorant fool but i'm kind of with ryan on the whole thing like i knew that mash was the korean war but i'd say up until probably about 15 years ago i thought korea was an island and it was off the coast of china (laughs) and that it was like somewhere near the philippines i swear to god i had no idea and i just didn't care to look and i wasn't really interested and then oh one day God. I just Whoa. open up a fucking globe and I spin it to the side I haven't wait, looked at. Wait, and wait, I'm just wait, like, wait, how did you Korea? open up a globe? Uh, well, you know, I had I had a computer. So I went had on a, a computer and I opened those, up Encarta and I went to the globe <laughs> and I saw it and I was like, wow, I've been wrong this whole time. And, oh, uh, shit. and I looked over <laughs> at it. actually meant... 
what you actually meant was that you had one of those one of those sort of bars that was shaped like a globe. I did, and I opened that shit up to pull the whiskey oh out God. to comfort myself from the memory of having to think that Korea was an island. In I the no longer feel bad that I thought Mash was in Vietnam. Dude, I just didn't era. know. Like, I didn't. We didn't focus on that. It's not. You know, all I did Whoa. was watch Mash. I figured they were on an island somewhere. You know. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know it was connected to China either. I had no idea. Oh, I just did. Shit. It wasn't even like ignorance. Or excuse me, it was pure ignorance. <laughs> That's all it was. was it was absolute ignorance. ignorance. I just didn't care. You know, I you didn't just... think. You didn't. Well, for one, you didn't. You didn't think it was somewhere like in the mountains of California because where they film Mash doesn't really look like Korea. Right. And two, they don't really like mention that they're in Korea most of the time. Like I think it's like one out of every like five episodes they actually mention they're in Korea, which is odd. But it's just mostly about them, you know, like having shenanigans in camp and like, like having a still. <laughs> How many nurses did Hawkeye bang? So the, the thing though, that the outcome of it is, is that like, you can ultimately say that, um, it was, it was not, um, it, that both sides can sort of claim a victory because although the casualties were high, you know the Chinese didn't wipe out the Americans, and the um, and the Americans were able to escape. Okay, <laughs> and then this the is Chinese... not a both sides thing, though. No, but I'm just saying that uh, when you when you assess the battle, because you're talking about it's, it's wider assessment on the war. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. And then and then so um, essentially what this did was this sort of showed you know that the war was not going to be over soon. Right. Because by the end of 1950. Um, communist forces, so the North Koreans and the Chinese, ha- had sort of already like pushed back um, the UN forces south of the 38th parallel, um, and they actually go into like Seoul. Like, there's like Seoul goes back and forth so many times because Seoul's not very far from the border um, that there are a number of battles of Seoul. That's yeah, cool. yeah, they're close because I remember that them being a target for artillery fire was actually a concern for a while from North Korea. Yeah, it's like two hours by bus. Yeah, war bus from the from the because like when it gets to the point where there's like third soul is the name of a battle. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. So once you get to three, it's kind of like all right, slow down. So they they because you remember how they were saying you know that um, that the war would be over by by Christmas. Yeah, they it, went to the was, uh, the home by Christmas initiative or whatever. Yeah, the offensive. It was pretty much like we're going to wrap this war up. That's what this offensive is going to do. What utter um, hubris that is, you know? It it sort of showed that um, that that was not going to be the case. You know that the Chinese were a lot stronger than they they thought. Um, because MacArthur sort of messed this up, you know, he didn't look at the warnings um, and the diplomatic hints that were given to them that the blame fell on him. Mm-hmm. And so, that kind of goes so into it. Like, who, so I guess from what you're just saying, MacArthur took blame for Chosin. Who took blame for Chosin? Well, or was it. Well, no, he didn't take. He didn't take blame for Chosin. He was given blame for Chosin. I doubt MacArthur took blame for any any of the stupid shit he did in his life. Right. Like, <laughs> like we lost the Philippines a lot faster than than we probably did because he just mismanaged the defense of Luzon. Like the guy was a 
he's a narcissist. Like he would never admit that he did anything wrong. Wow. So he oh, essentially like blamed for it, and then he was mm-hmm. then he was essentially fired. He was fired uh, from Korea. He was he was essentially relieved <laughs> of his commands. He was he was relieved of command over Korea. He was relieved over his occupation in Japan. Jesus. Damn, that's got to be shitty to be like, hey, like I get it. If you're a cop, turning your badge, turning your gun, you're off the force. Hey, uh, turning your stars and your bars, uh, you're leaving the country, both countries. All those troops under your command, gone. Like you're done. And so the only the only general that was able to sort of stabilize a defensive line around that area was under Matthew Ridgway, um, Lieutenant General Matthew Ridgway. Where have I heard um, that name before? Because he becomes Ridgway sniper. That's the Beltway sniper, bro. <laughs> he 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 becomes the he becomes the commander in the Korean War. Okay, Matthew Ridgeway. Yes. Okay. And then he also also he is he also assumed the the role of military governor of Japan. Ah, okay. Yeah, I've definitely heard that name in relation to Japan before. So And he he oversaw their their restoration in 1952. So he, so he was the one who handed off um, the reins of sort of Japan's government um, to the Japanese, as opposed to MacArthur, because MacArthur had messed things up so badly. Now, did MacArthur? I don't want to make a referendum on MacArthur because we could always do an episode about MacArthur. But like, did he, did he fuck a lot of things up, or was this one of his biggest mistakes? He he made a number of big mistakes. He was very well known as being like a, a blowhard and. Just a very like, like narcissistic personality. It's kind of like um, a newspaper he was, general. He was like his nickname during World War II was Dugout Doug, because <laughs> when because during his defense of the Philippines, he never left his his sort of command bunker, and he didn't he didn't sort of manage things fast. Was so he instance, afraid to leave his bunker? Well, he it it was just sort of I, I guess you could say he was sort of paralyzed by the moment. Um, that he just he didn't want to leave because he wanted to to manage things because he felt he was in control. Um, gotcha. but, but for instance, the the planes, um, he he didn't order that the planes be moved from storage positions because when um, old style planes like in World War II were stored, they usually have the wings propped up and they're all like side by side, um, which which sort of optimizes space, but it also makes it so that if you're going to like bomb them. It makes it very easy to destroy a lot of planes. Yeah, and, be- and because he didn't like, he didn't have those <laughs> set up properly, and other things, um, the Japanese were able to decimate the. And then two, um, the wider impact this had on the war um, was also that it, it sort of showed the Chinese that they could um, that they could you know inflict damage on the Americans. It kind of gave them like the it emboldened them. It, it sort of emboldened them, you know, that they could actually. You know, deal damage that they could actually, you know, stand up to the Americans. Well, let me ask and, you a question, and, though. And again, it shows that America is not untouchable. But it it also because their losses were so heavy, right? Um, and because they had lost so many people, like for instance, two whole elite divisions. Um, well, they had they had eight elite divisions of the twentieth and twenty seventh Corps. And of those eight divisions, two were forced to disband from the amount of like casualties they took. Damn. So they also realized, you know, that their logistics were terrible, um, that their equipment was bad, and that they couldn't really, you know, operate as they could in China. And so, because 
um, that it, it, because they suffered such heavy losses early on right. at Chosin, um, it enabled the U.S. to maintain a foothold in Korea because of those 12, 12 of those um, divisions I pointed out, they were of 30 divisions. So 18 other divisions were spread out across the border. Wow. Okay. So they took out a large number of their military. On this, on this sort of one dedicated to this one attack. Um, so it sort of um, gave them, uh, sort of gave the UN also the ability to hang on. That if the the Chinese had not committed so many troops to this battle, um, they probably could have um, made things more difficult for the UN. So to reiterate, right, the Chinese, we don't, we think they're shit. Like we think they they don't have the capability to do anything we go into this area you listen exactly we arsenio it right into this area and we kramer it yeah right into cho sin seinfeld's apartment <laughs> and we literally we like we're like nah it's all good and then all of a sudden it's that scene from when jerry's a cable boy and he's uh yeah. you know he's, he's stealing cable <laughs> and then the, <laughs> i'm gonna need you to sit down mr steinfeld and uh, they just come in, and there's just way too much power compared to what we were prepared for. So we kind of really kick some ass on the way out, but we take heavy losses. And essentially, the only thing that's accomplished from that is that we do deal a devastating amount of losses to their divisions. But we also sustain kind of an embarrassing defeat. And uh, and yeah, that's about the, it, right? Well, it's not a defeat. What? Not totally. Remember what defeat. I said? It's not. It's not considered a defeat because they were able to escape. They were able it's to what? escape, it's and also too. Usually, if you're a defender and you're able to get away, or you're able to hold them off, that's considered a victory. That's well, true. I was going to go back to that earlier. I was going to be like, "Well, you treated, so you kind of lost." <laughs> unless, <laughs> unless you're going for some some Chinese North Korean history, where like. The South invaded North Korea, and that's why you know, right? That, exactly. That's why the war started. Was the South invaded yeah. North Korea, and then then walked backwards all the way to Pusan. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's the that's the first album of uh, of that band walking. <laughs> walking backwards to Pusan. <laughs> Was that a Bowling for Soup album? <laughs> bowling it's, for it's, Soup. <laughs> it's it's walking backwards into Pusan with the hit track, Just the Tip. Oh, my God. Uh, BTS is going to come kill you or whatever their name is. Starring <laughs> the lead singer, the all-do lead singer of Just the Tip, Eddie Nuts. <laughs> what? And drummer, Oliver P. Smith. I will I will note that when I went and visited the DMZ on the on the ride there they played a a video like a Korean movie about like it's called Joint Security Zone mm-hmm. and it's like essentially about a murder mystery that happens on the border but on the way back they what? just played like yeah it's about a murder mystery that happens on the border and it's sort of like these North Korean South Korean soldiers had been secretly hanging out with each other in the in the demilitarized zone and that well, one of them ends up being that. killed. Did they do that on purpose? What? Play a film about someone dying in a murder <laughs> mystery at the fucking DMZ while you're fucking well, driving it's, it's, to the DMZ? 
Like I, I've serious. never seen Passenger Fifty Seven mid air. <laughs> Well, it was soldiers. It wasn't like I've never seen a live. But you know what? You kind of when you're going to the DMZ, you're kind of representing the U.S. military there, Steve, whether you like it or not. (laughs) I did have to go. I did have to go to the base, which is the old Japanese base that's in downtown Seoul, right? Which is like the main U.S. base there. And I was going to say to finish my story on the ride back, they just played like k-pop music videos and this was back when like gangnam style was still like really big right oh my god <laughs> Opa. so what they do like- is is they lure you into the dmz with this murder mystery this bbc original chosan massacre dmz murder mystery and then uh, on the way out, they're like, well, you survived, so let's have a party. And it just plays fucking K-pop. Well, no, it was, it was more like a, it was more like a few good men. It was one of those things. Uh, where, like, what was it, what by was the it way, like, one of my favorite movies of all time. What is it, Courage Under Fire? That one with like Matt Damon, like a very young Matt Damon. And that one like angry Hispanic guy. I can't remember what his name is, but he has like those very severe features, and he You're always talking about uh, angry. Danny Trejo? No, no, he's talking. No. He's talking about. Um, he's uh, he's not in stuff really anymore. Martin think, Sheen. But... Yeah, because he's Martin an ang- Sheen. Yeah, he's an angry Hispanic guy <laughs> with distinguishing features. What? He is. His real name is. You know. You know his real name. What is his real name? It's Estevez. Ramon Estevez. Really? Yeah. I love you, dude. (laughs) How do do you not know that Martin Sheen is not Ramon Gerardo Antonio Estevez? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe because I never really thought about it. No, I feel like that's one of those things that got passed around in the early 90s. You know, like people were like, you didn't know that Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez are brothers? Well, here's the deal. No, I had no idea about that. That's crazy. I knew Charlie Sheen and Martin Sheen were like... They're like dad and son, aren't they? Dad and son, yeah, yeah. 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 So like I knew that and then they shared the name Sheen, so I was like, all right, cool. And I never really as a kid, I never really thought too closely about like, hey, what's this guy's uh background? This well, guy I'm not like, I'm not asking whether you're you're thinking about that. I'm just surprised that it wasn't like exposed to you at some point. That's kinda I, I love I, I feel like I've heard that Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez were brother i right. think i've heard that but i'm also like all right cool and they just never put two and two together like maybe i was thinking they were like you know stepbrother or half brothers or whatever because me and my brothers have different last names ah okay okay yeah that makes more sense but yeah uh, i never knew martin sheen was actually <laughs> ramon gerardo antonio gerardo antonio estevez i did I not wanna, know that That's by the way it shares a birthday know. with me august 3rd yep steve yeah I just want to note that I feel bad as well because the the angry Hispanic guy that I was thinking of that I couldn't think of was Lou Diamond Phillips. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Jesus! I mean, he did beat his wife a lot. And, oh my god! You know, you're probably connecting the dots from La Bamba. Well, he no. was. My mom had well, the biggest crush on the In the movie, Phillips. he's like he's like a total like dick bag. He's the one who like leaves leaves the the captain, oh. like Ryan's character, for dead. Yeah, he's an asshole in the movie. I remember that. Yeah, 
Yeah, he's like, they're like, she's still out there, and he's like, she's dead. You know what he was great in? Young Guns. We should do an episode <laughs> about Young Guns and Young Guns too. No, you know what he was great young in? Guns he's harder. such an asshole. Is La Bamba. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he's a fucking dickhead. He was great in La Bamba. Oh my god. Uh. So, now that I've defamed Blue Diamond Phillips, I, I can't believe you say he's fucking Filipino, too. You're such an asshole. Oh. Well, he's playing a Hispanic guy in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, he does that a lot because he has, he has, he's, he's browner skin. So he's got tanner skin, and he kind of has like prominent, like dark hair features. Like, look, he could, he, he could be easily confused as Spanish or as Hispanic, you know. He's not like he's, he's not a hundred percent Filipino. He's, he's, not, he's not. Yeah, his mother, his mother is a Filipina, and his dad is his dad is uh, is Scots is a is an American of Scots Irish descent. So he's not even close. <laughs> <laughs> not even close. Yeah, not even in the same room. My God, uh, that's okay. No big deal. All right. So uh, I, I apologize. You <laughs> listen. You can't <laughs> apologize to Lou Diamond Phillips. All right. He has to apologize. Phillips, he has to apologize Phillips, to you. If you're out there, come on the pod. <laughs> we can hash this out. Lou Diamond yeah, Phillips, you, you, go on Chapo. Oh my God. He's one of the. Uh, he is one. <laughs> Yeah, you can't apologize to him, though. He has to apologize to you because it's one of the steps. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. This is an A, okay? He's, he's not giving up alcohol, and he has to apologize to me, you know? Like, I've made a lot of mistakes over the years. I want to apologize, you know? I've done some things I'm not proud of. Didn't he, like, beat his wife up, and he was drunk, and I don't know. Yeah, He, he might have. Yeah, here it is on Wikipedia. He was arrested for a DUI in Texas in 2017. DWI. All, all I'm saying is, if you're not driving in Texas, you can drink in the car. From what I've been told. So is that true? Really? I think that's. I think that's the rule. I think it's like one of those weird things. Like in downtown Indianapolis, there's no open container laws. Yeah. Well, yeah. Savannah's like that as well. Is it really? Yeah, Savannah is uh, no open container. Actually, yeah. I think I think that's a lot of Georgia. Well, because... no, you no know, open container. You're allowed to have an open container. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's I the, yeah I'm saying no open container law. Like, oh, okay. Can... You just said no open container, and I was like, yeah. that's that's the opposite. Yeah. yeah, sorry, no open container laws in Savannah. As far as I know, I don't know if it's across the whole city, but I know that when <laughs> we stayed there and walked around River Street and downtown historic Savannah, we used to get lit, and we would walk around with the drinks, and everybody was super cool about it. Uh, New Orleans as well. People, people are just cool, waiting for the cops to arrest you for for drinking in the streets. Yeah, everybody's like, waving. "Yeah, well, look at this idiot." The cops play. Yeah, no, he's just being cool. Well, what happened was, is Ryan went to uh, to Savannah, Georgia, and he was there, <laughs> and uh, he was there with some fr- some buddies, and he went in there, and he just figured that Savannah didn't have anything on him. <laughs> right? And he was going to be fine. So what he did is he just started just pounding beers. He's just pounding beers. And then all of a sudden, wet Georgians, willies, wet all of a sudden the Georgians drinks. just start showing up in force, you know, and he doesn't know <laughs> well, what he, to do. And he's not he thought, sure about the laws or anything, you know. So he, he, got, he fought his way out of there. He lost some of his friends on the way. 
Well, right. well, you know, you know how Savannah's an old city. You know, they Sherman didn't burn it, so it's that old, that old antebellum architecture. So yeah. after like four or five beers, he thought he was in New Orleans, and then so he, <laughs> he's just wandering around the streets, beer in hand, asking for a hurricane. Uh, oh my god! So there's no good place to end this. So uh, goodbye, Korea. Goodbye. Goodbye, Korea. Korea. <laughs>